What is poppin', y'all? It's your man, James Say What Sales Buckley, and we are here to deliver another stellar episode of Make It Happen Mondays with your host, John Barrows. Thanks to all of our partners for supporting the show, Salesloft, Proposify, Rise, Vidyard, and Chili Piper. These are great teams to work with, with products and services that fit your sales cycle. You guys are our favorite people in the world, so thank you so much for all your support. Quick nugget here about what's new and exciting. JB Sales is seeing teams becoming more effective with JB Sales. Teams of 5, 10, and 15 salespeople are seeing the highest conversion rates that they've ever seen, leveraging the skills in JB Sales On Demand. We're looking to get small teams some big results. A diverse array of skills await you at JB Sales. Learn to prospect better, hone your negotiation strategy, and close like a pro using the skills that you develop as a JB Sales On Demand member. Join us today. That URL is ondemand.jbarrows.com. Today, John brings in a mindset master, lifelong real estate broker and co-founder of Everyday Woman, Galit Ventura Rosen, is going to be joining John to talk all things mentality and mindset. Galit has built several businesses while managing a family and raising children at the same time. For any man or woman that is searching for sanity in today's environment, this will be a special episode for you. So let's pass it over to Galit and JB for a great talk around this mindset and how we manage it all. Let's get into it. Good afternoon, everybody. This is John Barrows. Make it up in Monday. Hopefully you had a fantastic weekend. Mine was interesting. I went down to Virginia, saw my mom, which is really cool. She's moving out to California and drove back up to Boston. So eight hours of me in my own head is an interesting thing. And that is what we are going to be talking about is getting in and out of your own head today with our guest, Galit Ventura Rosen. How are you, Galit? I'm great, John. It sounds like you had a wonderful weekend. It was. It was good to see my mom. It was. Uh, I haven't seen her a little bit, so I saw her in person. She's actually moving. Uh, for those of for people who listen to this podcast, they know that my dad passed away recently, a couple months ago, and so I've been really kind of over-indexing uh, being with my mom and making sure that she's okay. And now she's super excited because she's moving out to California and living with my sister. So uh, oh, I love happy. that. Yeah. So I am very happy, but Gilead, um, for the audience that doesn't know you, I mean, I was, you know, doing the prep for this, you got commercial real estate broker. We got, ex- by the way, I'm sorry, extremely successful commercial real estate broker, uh, professional speaker, uh, sales success expert and co-founder of everyday women. So could, could you, I know that's a lot. Could you give us a little bit of context of where you're coming from? Because I th- it's going to frame this conversation around having a, a successful mindset and, and what we can do with it. Absolutely. I started in as an entrepreneur at quite a young age, which was not typical. When most of my friends were looking for jobs getting out of college with their first degree, I just knew I wanted to do something else. So basically, the context is I got my real estate license, found a life in commercial real estate, which was not so common then. Mm-hmm. 25 years, believe it or not. I tell people I started when I was 12, just for fun. (laughs) And I just have been really successful at creating my own path. There were not a lot of paths available for me at such a young age, so many years ago as a woman. So I just found a way to spend my life being successful, but also sharing how to be successful, which to my self is really about the mind. It's about the Mm -hmm. mindset, which, you know, I'm so big about that, John. It's about the mindset. It's about being your biggest cheerleader. It's about your thoughts working for you. And that kind of tied into the other things you said, which is at the end of the day, the bottom line increases when sales increase, which your your listeners know. And I found that being in sales for 25 years, what am I selling? Multi-million dollar buildings. You better be good at it. And I've made it a purpose of mine to show women how to be successful in their businesses if they choose to have their own. I love that. And is that what Everyday Women is all about? So Everyday Woman was actually formed during the last year and all of this crazy. We found that so many women had to go online full time and didn't know how to be successful. So it's a woman's movement that shows people, women, how to get more clients and be more visible. And we've grown a group of over 11,000 women in less than a year. Oh, I love that. And in less than a year. Fantastic. Yeah, less than a year. And I, we were talking before, I think COVID has, has uh, hopefully accelerated a lot of that, like, oh, I, maybe I should to maybe I can. And then I can, right? Because this, this, every, this shift now to home, I mean, I remember when we shifted, you know, I don't have set schedules for any of my team and, and, you know, the women that I do have on my team 
we rearranged everything to fit the schedules of how they had to take care of their kids in the morning and be sitting on the Zoom session because some of them only had three-year-olds and some of them, you know, I'm blessed. I have a, I have a 10-year-old, so she's in that kind of perfect range of, you know, she's not used to the school system yet per se. She goes to Lexington Montessori, so she's more of a dynamic learner anyways. And she's not like 16 years old, so she's not like getting ready for college and freaking out. So for us, it was actually, I don't want to say easy, but easier. And plus my wife and I have always worked from home. But for some of the women that I work with, their, you know, their schedule got thrown into a loop because now they get a four-year-old who's going through like kindergarten online, which is a little ridiculous. Um, and and feeling out a way to have to have to be there with the kid who's not like self-sufficient. So it's been a, a interesting year. And I can imagine where there's a lot of them reaching out to you, wanting to be a part of this to understand how can I kind of now take control a little bit more of my own career. So congrats on that. That's fantastic. Yeah. And I'm a mom. I have three. I've always built my career around my life and around my business. I started doing that 25 years ago. I started my first business right before I had my first child. He's going to be 25. And so I just, as a mom, there were so many times in my career where I was told, well, something's got to give, or you could be more successful if, and I have such an understanding of that until today. And it didn't affect my success. It just changed the way that I created my success. So for any women that are listening, especially because, and also men, so many men as yourself, stay at home, watch the kids. Some women went back to work and their husbands stayed home with the children. There's so much going on there and still happening. We're still not at a full back. I have to share with you that it is possible. It's just a matter of really stepping back and looking at the new circumstances, the change that's taken place and adjusting it, just like you said that you did with your employees. I love it. So we'll get into those. I wanted to uh, kind of take a step back, though. You know, you said at a relatively early age, you had that that entrepreneurial itch. Um, I think it's in everybody at some level or another. Mine was in there. I didn't know it was in there. But let me ask you, where do you think that came from? Like, did, were your parents entrepreneurs? And in, in, I know back then they never, like my parents were entrepreneurs, but back then th- th- that is like the furthest thing from what you called them, right? My mom like started a career counseling uh, practice when I was born so she could be home with me. My dad was a contractor for the FAA. So they both kind of worked out of the house and managed their own schedules. So without knowing it, I was kind of indoctrinated into an environmental world, which is why I had the itch and why corporate never really felt right to me. But where did, where did yours come from? My parents moved to America before I was born from another country. My father works seven days a week, 14 to 16 hours a day, just to make ends meet. I'm the oldest of four. I watched my mom make my clothes and my father work his butt off. I was never raised differently than my three younger brothers. I was told that I could be the president just like my three younger brothers. So of course it started at home. Absolutely. I watched my dad build from nothing, coming to America with nothing, to building one of the largest West Coast cabinet companies in California and sell it. And I got to watch him transition into different careers and build his own American dream and empire. So yes, he was like, you've got, I was first one to graduate from college in my family, first one to get my second degree. And I was always taught about family as well. So I kind of had the best of both worlds from mom and from dad. So I absolutely believe it came from watching a mentor, your father do this, as well as the mom supporting my dad and recognizing they could do it together. But I also believe that I was watching my friends going for interviews and watching them get these jobs and it just didn't feel right. I don't know how else to explain it except for it didn't feel right. I worked as most people did in the mall in college, in high school. I've worked since I was 15 and a half. So I worked at clothing stores. I babysat. I worked in fitness centers. So I had the experience of working for other people. By the time I started working for myself, I had at least nine years experience. Mm. So I still think I got to see what it was like. And probably just, I joke around and say to people, I think I didn't like the fact of the idea of people telling me what to do. I probably liked more the idea of me telling others what to do. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I I always, I didn't have it. It wasn't as obvious to me because I, and you know, I wrote a blog post a long time ago called Stop Doing What You're Supposed to Do. 
right? You're supposed to like for me there was and there was two wake up calls for me because I was going through the motions and I was doing what I was supposed to do and you know go and get a corporate job and then work your way up and get promoted and you know and all that other stuff and you know, and it just didn't feel right. And thankfully for me, you know, a good friend of mine st did a startup. So he had the risk profile of I'll jump and do anything type of thing. And I just don't have that risk profile. And I want to get into that a little bit with you um, as far as where you where you see yours is, because I'm a calculated risk taker. I'm not a risk taker, risk taker. He was the risk taker, risk taker, like live in your parents' basement, eat ramen noodles, that type of guy. And I jumped on board as as because I didn't like I was working at Xerox and I just I'm like ah, something just doesn't feel right to me and when he started this it just opened up my eyes to oh now i am in complete control of my own results the impact that it has on the business my you know all that so even though i was working for him if you will we were partners for the most part and so i was fortunate that it was that it was a wake-up call for me because i was like i just something about this doesn't feel right and let me try this out and ooh, holy shit this feels great Right. So, so talking, cause I do want to get into the psychology of everything with you. Cause you did go back and I find this fascinating to get your degree. Um, but what is the psychology around that, around making that, that feeling trapped, uh, or like not feeling right and not knowing how to articulate it. Cause I think a lot of the audience that listens to this does have, if they're in, Let's put it this way. I think if you're in sales, you automatically have this slight entrepreneurial itch that you don't know how to scratch. And sales is a way of scratching it because you can control your own revenue. You can control your income depending on how you work. But what is the psychology around making that jump and, and helping people make that jump? Is there kind of some foundational things that you could help people think through at least a little bit? Yes, absolutely. And sometimes when I say what it is, it sounds so simplistic, but it isn't. It's the thing that holds most people back. So the first thing would be, why aren't you? Ask yourself why. And now typically what happens is the surface-based excuses show up. Well, I've got to make a consistent paycheck. I've got to support my family. There's all these things that will show up. Well, what if I don't do well? What if I fail? But a lot of times it just revolves around fear fear of the unknown and fear of the uncomfortable. Some of us have gone through so much failure in their life, and I've gone through a lot of failure. There is no straight street to success. And as you fail more, you get better at it. It's mm -hmm. kind of funny. And yeah. I've gotten really good at failing, but gosh, have I gotten up way faster now. And I, I know how to get to success so much quicker every time I fail. So fear is the first thing that psychologically in our mindset works against us because we don't recognize that it's not the I can't, I can't, I can't. It's the what am I scared of? And then the second thing is how. A lot of people don't know how. The how stops them from doing things as well. What they don't recognize sometimes because they're so caught up in the fear and the how is that we have millions and millions of people that know how to do all the things you don't know how to do. So find someone that does and learn from them. Don't reinvent the wheel. I was taught very young. Don't reinvent the wheel. Just bling it and make it your own. So recognize, learn. And today, John, we have the knowledge of the world at our fingertips. Educate yourself. Invest in yourself. I've got two degrees. I've got certifications. I'm constantly taking courses. I'm constantly applying what I'm learning. Every time I'm ready to up-level, I want to learn how to get to the next level because obviously if I already knew how to get to every level, I would be at the top of the top of the top. But you know, many of us strive consistently in our life to get to the next level. Yeah, I think that's a big part of it. And, and let me go back to the fear part though, because I, I agree with you. I think there, I, and it was for me, you know what I mean? My, I always kind of had the itch of, I think I want to go off on my own. But again, going back to being a calculated risk taker, there always had to be that kind of at least saw pseudo soft landing for me, right? Whereas like if I didn't, like I'll give you a quick example. My buddy who started the company, he started at zero, right? I didn't come on board until they had an, a few customers and enough revenue to be able to at least pay me a $30,000 base salary. Because in my mind at the time, I'm like, I, you know, I was what, 23 years old or something like that. I'm like, if I don't show up one month, if something happens and I don't get a paycheck at all, I'm not going to be able to pay my bills. So I need at least this much, right? Now being thrust into, because then we sold the company and, and then they fired me. And, 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 I was, and I was then put in a position where I had to go off and start off on my own. And I was now a 100% commission rep. 
really scary to me, but I still had a little bit of a soft landing because I had some customers that were already spending money with my previous company and I just kind of took it from there. So how do you identify the fear? Like, like let's like, instead of the surface level risk factors that, oh, holding me back, how do you get to the core of the fear to identify and almost label it so we can handle it? And then what are some steps to get out of that fear outside of just taking the risk and understanding where you are in that risk profile? Take a logical step. Write down all the reasons why your brain is telling you you shouldn't do it. Mm -hmm. It's amazing to me when I worked with therapy clients because like I went back to school and got my master's yeah. in therapy so I could learn how the mind works. I would say to my client, okay, write everything down. Do you know a lot of times, John, they couldn't even get a half a page full of the fears or the anxiety or the reasons why they were worried. In our brain, it's the same thoughts over and over again. It's a cycle of the same typically three to six thoughts, sometimes even less. So write them all down. Then take that list and factually, because people work better with facts, factually rebuttal each one of those thoughts with three facts of why. Now, this is where people struggle because they can't always do it for themselves. So one of the things I love to do, I wrote a book called The Successful Woman's Mindset. One of the chapters in there is you actually take past successes to overcome future obstacles. So now you revisit times in your life, which you can easily, John, where you, oh, well, I shouldn't, and if I should, and should I, and you succeeded. So you revisit anything in your past you've succeeded in, and that had a process. It had a process. Write down that process and now revisit that process and use it for whatever it is. Now, sometimes it could be the most simplistic things. I'm making a list of all the things I have to do. Then I'm going to break them down into smaller steps. Then I'm going to get a mentor or I'm going to go back to school like I did when I was 38. So you've got to break this down because when we look at a big picture, it's very overwhelming. I'm going to start my own business. Wait, that's scary. No. First, I'm going to form an entity. Then I'm going to of what am I going to sell and what are my products or services? And so you break it down into little steps and you just knock one out at a time. No one says tomorrow you have to quit your job and start your own company. No one says that. That's actually not the best way to do it. Yeah, I agree. But that's what people think right away is I've got to quit my job. No. And I've been commission based since I was 24. I have not been on a salary since I worked at the mall, probably in my 21 years old, maybe 22, less than that. So I understand what it is not to know where the next check's going to come from, but your mind changes with time and you get adjusted to it. It starts to make sense because now that becomes your new norm. Yeah. And, and you say as time goes on, right? I think there's a lot of this about maturity, right? And just experience in general, right? I'm now in my 40s and I look at things way differently than I did back in my 20s and my 30s, right? And my risk profile is different based on responsibilities and stuff. And so, you know, what I'm trying to do, for instance, with with sales reps, as an example, I'm looking for these two thresholds to try to get sales reps to faster, right? And and maybe, you know, and, and applying this to what we're talking about, one is the kind of the give a shit factor. Like stop going through the motions and how can I get you to give a shit sooner rather than later? Because once you start giving a shit, and when I say that, I mean like really caring about the client, really caring about the prospect before you make that phone call and you think 50 dials and you just look at them as a bunch of numbers, like think of them as people, think of them as, you know, as an individual that you're reaching out to. And so you can actually care. And then the other one is once you get to trying to get to the level of uh, unconscious competence where you just do what you do, right? And I'm kind of in the gap in the middle where giving tools and techniques and structure to help you get to that level of unconscious competence where you don't need any of those techniques. You don't need any of that because it's, it's, in, it's in already in you, right? So with that, you know, from a, how do you expedite the, the, like the, the figuring out where you fit part. Cause I say that, cause look, there's a lot of people out there that are made for corporate. They are made to get into corporate and climb that ladder and they understand how the politics work. And that's actually success in a lot of ways. I mean, I envy people who can play the corporate game well, not sleazy, but well, because it's just a skill set I don't have. I unfortunately or unfortunately was forced to be put in my place of where I fit and where I fit was entrepreneurship, sales and that type of stuff. How, if, if you're out there, like 
how do you expedite that figuring out where I fit without the experience of, okay, 20s, I tried a whole bunch of crap and it didn't work. 30s, I kind of picked a lane. 40s, I got it. Is there a way to expedite that out without experience? Yes. Yes. And I would be an example of that. I didn't have experience. Mm -hmm. And I just made a decision and I got my first degree in business. So I did got some education. I also got experience from working at different places before I opened my own business. And there's a lot of trial and error. So you've just kind of got to accept that. I think more importantly would be to recognize that if there's something in you, a dire desire that will not go away. Now, don't get me wrong. Everybody has a right to ignore that. It's your prerogative. But if it doesn't go away, it might be time to start listening to it. If you have that little itch, as John calls it, and you want to be an entrepreneur and you want to start your own business, do the research. Okay, so salespeople. Mm -hmm. You never sell a product or service unless you do your research, right? Knowledge, experience, that gives you confidence. It's like Mm -hmm. my first step to sales success, to my sales success method. You've got to adopt a successful sales mindset. But why are you not doing the same thing if you're thinking of opening your own business? You're not going to, most people are not risk takers. Mm -hmm. I'm not telling you to go be a risk taker. Do the logical homework. Do the research. I did all that before I started my first company. I understood what I needed to be successful in the market. And then I implemented the team. I implemented the, the tasks. I did what I needed to So start with just that piece Mm -hmm. to know if you're a fit. John, I think everybody's a fit if they're interested in being an entrepreneur. I'm not going to tell you that there are some people that are not because I've seen it. I've seen people go to corporate, to entrepreneur. I've seen people do both. You know, I really love my job, but I want to start my own business too. And I've seen people make the jump, save that money. I've also seen people do side and then give yourself two years or whatever it takes to get to that income. Because I understand what it's like to have to support your family. I'm a single mom. It it, it can only take so much risk, Mm -hmm. but you've got to recognize starting your own business, there is always going to be risk. It's just part of being an entrepreneur. Yeah, and I weigh that against the risk of working at a corporation or a company that that, you know, there, look, there are some companies that are way better than others than it, like investing in their people and really, but at the end of the day, if, if they need to do layoffs, if they need to restructure, they're going to do it. And they might, you know, your direct manager might feel bad firing you, but that corporation does not. And so the risk of doing everything you can to be successful in your job for somebody else and eventually being fired or being let go or being unstructured through no fault of your own compared to owning that success and saying, you know what, I'm going to take the risk on myself to, to see what happens there. I mean, I, that's one that I, that I thankfully, um, you know, fell into and was able to, to capitalize on. But I think a lot of people are stuck in that middle zone of, uh, and you know, they don't do what they love. And you said something I love, which is you have to go all in on what you believe in, right? I mean, I, I believe that you have to be, you know, sales is the transfer of enthusiasm. Like if you do not love what you do, go find something else to do right? And hopefully you love what you do personally, right? Because that's the easiest way to transfer that enthusiasm. Yeah, there's just a direct connection between loving what you do. You know how people say things like the nine to five or, oh gosh, it's Monday again or whatever. There's all these things that people say. I'm not telling you everything about being an entrepreneur is perfect. Please dream on. Mm -hmm. But There's something so beautiful about the fact that I could choose to get up this morning and not work. That's my choice. If something's going on with my family, whatever it is, of course, most entrepreneurs are not like that. We work more than someone that has a nine to five job, but that's our choice. We choose to, but there's something so powerful about you've read, you've read it before. What is that saying? You build your own dream instead of someone else's. There's just something so beautiful about being able to do that. And there's so many advantages, the financial freedom and building, at least for me, building my business around my life, around my kids. I never missed anything. My youngest is going to be 18. And I've just always built my life and my businesses around my life. And could I have been more successful? Maybe. Could I have made more money? Maybe. But honestly, I'm not so sure. I, I don't know that that's true. But I do know that my youngest is going to college in a year and a half, and I feel like I did the best dang job I could as a mom. So, and then I'm young. I've got the rest of my life to do the rest of it. 
But I think more than anything, it's if you are interested in having your own business and you have a sales background, you're already ahead of most people. You're already a jump forward because you understand I've got to sell to make money. This is how I get paid. This is how I network. This is how I make build relationships, how I talk to people. That is the key core to success as an entrepreneur. Yeah, that's sales. I, I always say, like, I don't care where you go in your career. Like, I almost wish everybody would get, you know, just a year of sales experience. I don't okay, care what great. your job is just to get a. I almost want to give them all like a, a list, you know, a, a group of like encyclopedias or steak knives or something like that and say, you can't actually go get a job in anything until you sell these. Go door to door, get the thing slammed in your face, figure out how to get there. And you can't sell to friends or family. You have to sell to strangers just so you can understand what it's like, because everything, right? You pitch your company, that's sales. You pitch yourself internally for a job, that's sales, right? Like it's all about trying to learn how what other, the other person is looking for and how you can match up what you're passionate about to that. And then, you know, and it's not, a, to me, it's not about, I don't know, tell me if what you think about it. To me, it's not about convincing. Do you think sales is about convincing people? Never. Thank you. I am not a salesperson. I've never been a salesperson in my life, but I've sold almost a billion dollars in properties. Mm-hmm. Well, that doesn't make sense. People are going to be listening. Yes, you are. No, I am someone that builds relationships. Mm-hmm. I'm a someone that has a successful sales mindset. I'm someone that understands what networking is. I'm an effective communicator. And I know what the, the sales call is the last piece of selling for me. Everything's already been done before I even get on a call. My business, I don't just do cold calling. I'm building a relationship with technology today. In the olden days, I like to joke, my kids love, I go the olden days. I had to just call people. Today, I've got the world of LinkedIn. I've got the world of emailing. I've got the world of networking. If you're virtual or in person, that's all being done prior. So I I am the least salesy person you'll ever meet. I don't convince no one to do anything. My value, my experience, I speak to you about your goals. I speak to you about what you want to accomplish. If I'm selling you a commercial property or you're going to work with me for private coaching, and then if it makes sense, the last few minutes I talked to you about how much it cost. And then they're usually ready to go anyways, because I've already done my job before we even got on the call. So many people watched their parents work their asses off to provide for them. Galit's story about her parents showing her what the American dream looks like is really inspiring. All that experience led her down a path to entrepreneurship and building the life that she wanted. I love Galit's perspective on fear. We have such opportunity in front of us. This is such a great conversation so far. All right, let me give you some things to be on the lookout for. You got to send me your sales wins. I want to hear your success stories. Send them to me at james at jbarrows.com to be featured on next week's episode of Make It Happen Mondays. Today, we want to give a big shout out to Kayla Rowan, who signed up for JB Sales and saw 300% increase in her sales qualified leads in the first two weeks of access. That is immediate improvement. Great job, Kayla. Keep going and keep learning. Kayla's fast results are the product of the tactical and strategic techniques that she picked up inside JB Sales On Demand. Yes, quality matters. And yes, sales is still a numbers game to a degree. Learn the routines and strategies and processes that Kayla did to step up her game at ondemand.jbarrows.com and start selling better today. Let's give it back to Galit and JB for the rest of this helpful conversation about mindset. Let's talk about kind of that that mindset as it relates to because I do want to you know I try to you know women in sales I, I try to be a champion for women in sales and and try to increase inc- I mean we we did a webinar a while back called We Need to Talk and it was about the bro culture in sales and and how it limits a lot of uh, women from even getting into especially tech sales right and and let's but let's as as it relates to entrepreneurship um you 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 said a, a, a interesting stat that before as we were getting ready for this there was it four four percent of women owned businesses entrepreneurs. So in 2019, there's a survey every year that the National Association of Women Business Owners put out. They haven't put out the 2020 numbers. 4.2% of women-owned businesses are making a million dollars or more. That's it. We have a little over 11 million women-owned businesses in the United States. So that shows you that they're not hitting those seven figures. And we know that to increase the bottom line of just about any business, if it's product or service, you've got to have sales. because 
how do you make money if you're not selling? I mean, I don't know. I haven't figured out a way to do that yet. Yeah, me <laughs> so, so why do you think that is? Why do you, why do you think so few women go into entrepreneurship in the first place? And then if they get into it, that there's that, that, that mark of a million bucks that is hard for seemingly a lot. I mean, look, it's hard for anybody to, to make, I mean, anybody who makes it past three years as an entrepreneur and starting your own business, congratulations. Cause I think the stats are like 90% of them die after the third year. Yeah. 92%. Yeah, two to three years. Yeah. Yeah. Two to three years. So if you've made it that far and you're making a living, and I also think we should reshape the definition of success, right? Success doesn't have to be making multi-millions A success is your definition of that. And is it, you know, going home to be with your kids and having a, that, that balance that you always look for and I follow a lot of Gary Vaynerchuk. You know, look, if you make 40 grand a year and you're happy, great. You win. You win. I love, oh. I always say that. The, one of the first chapters in my book is called What is um, She Knows Her Definition of Success? And I actually talk about exactly what you said, John. But back to what you said. Mm -hmm. At the end of the day, I think it's for a few reasons. Number one, we talked about this for a minute. There is no sales education. You don't get taught sales. I got a business degree, for goodness sakes. Mm -hmm. You think someone taught me about sales in a four-year university? No, Not, it's the most important part, but sales. we don't get taught I can any tell of you about accounting and I could tell you about marketing. No one taught, told me about sales, number one. Number two, I think that women are less confident. It's mm -hmm. just what it is. I can say that because I'm a woman. I think that men, there's a statistic out there that um, if there's a job promotion, a man will apply if he's 68% qualified. A woman won't apply until she's more than 90. Well, this is confidence. And to be confident, you must recognize that the knowledge, the experience, the expertise, the research can give you knowledge. It doesn't have to be the degrees or the uh, on hands-on work. It just has to be this confidence of, let me do my homework. Let me be prepared. And I don't know everything. I'm never going to know everything. Guess what? It's okay. Do you know how many times I'll say to a client that'll call me, and I work with a lot of very wealthy people, and they'll say to me, Galit, I have a question, and they'll ask me. Mm -hmm. It's not about not knowing the answer. It's about how I don't know the answer. So I will confidently say, look, John, to say, look, John. I want to make sure I give you the most updated information about what you just asked me. So let me get back to you. And I do. I go do my homework and they have that updated information. That doesn't make me sound like I'm not confident or I don't know what I'm doing. It makes me sound like I want to take care of my client. So you don't have to know everything. And I think a lot of women think they do because they don't, they're not confident. I can fake confidence. Don't get me wrong. I've been doing confidence for a long time, but it's okay to fake confidence as long as you're being genuine, authentic, and real. I know what I'm talking about. I'm not selling something that I don't. I just can't know everything. It's not possible. Well, I think the trait of figuring it out is the biggest trait that you can, right? And, and look, I, you know, <laughs> nobody uh, did a whole bunch of research before they had a kid. Oh, don't even get me started on that. Right. But you know what I mean? There's, there's, so there's, true. there's, there's plenty of books about, you know, what to expect when expecting and all that, but every person's ex experience of childbirth, pregnancy, all that stuff are all so ridiculously different. So, so in inherently, you've had to figure it out along the way. You know what I mean? And and that was that's a major milestone that most women hit and, and men too, but to a lesser degree where it's just like, now what? I remember my wife and I, we walked home from like when we were in the hospital and we had the baby, we were like, all right, good. We feel safe. We're in this room. They got the towels for us. We know how to swaddle. Like, all right, we're in good shape, right? And then they were like, okay, you guys are discharged. See you later. And we both looked at each other like, are you shitting me? You're just letting us go home with this thing? Like, like, no, no additional guidance. Like we just now are responsible for a human being right now. Okay. And we, we, we like felt so uncomfortable, but we went home, you know, we, we went home, we, we figured it out along the way. And I think that figure it out mentality where, where I think men get inbreded more than women is we are promoted for our, our, confidence if you will we are we are pushed in that direction of hey that's all right you'll go get your ass kicked go go figure it out and come back and tell us what you learned type of thing where women are unfortunately in a lot of societal ways 
not encouraged to take those risks, not promoted because of their aggression, their whatever it might be. And thankfully, I'm starting to see that shift, right? I mean, we're, we're starting to see a shift, but it's still in everything that we get represented. You know, yes, I mean, if- yes, we absolutely have more working against us than for us. That's probably another reason why I became an entrepreneur, because it's up to me. I'm my own motivator. I'm the one that pushes myself. I'm the one that drives myself. And I think that not all people are good at doing that for themselves. But the thing is, they don't have to be. Men and women, they don't have to be. There's enough people out there. There's enough networking groups, business groups, association groups, online, virtual, in person. Uh, Get a a mentor. Get a different education. There's enough ways for you to fill those gaps. But it should never be a reason not to. And that's the key is don't not, I always say, what's the difference if you try or you don't try, you're in the same place, right? If you don't try, you failed. If you did try, you have a chance not to fail. And people don't look at things like that. It's our brain is geared to protect us. You know, that fight or flight mode, right? That's what I learned in school in great detail. Our brain, our body is prepared to protect us, but it doesn't know always that it doesn't need to protect us. So it doesn't want us to hurt. It doesn't want us to fail. That's where you almost have to have a talk with yourself, Mm. right? A talk with yourself that says, look, I got this. Let me try. Let me figure this out. I've gotten to a point in my life, John, where I'm uncomfortable almost every single day of my life. When you get used to being uncomfortable, it's so much easier to do new things. Now, if I don't do enough uncomfortable, something's wrong. And I'm not an adrenaline junkie. I don't like to jump out of planes. You know, I live in Las Vegas. I don't bungee jump off the stratosphere. I'm not interested in any of that stuff. My adrenaline is built on, you know, getting up on stage, taking people to seven figures in their business, writing another book, doing an interview like this. That's my adrenaline. But it's really true. Fake it till you make it, guys. You got nothing to lose. Like, why wouldn't you want to try to maybe have the life that you desire, the success that you want? For me, money is all about my family job. I get to take care of my kids. My oldest already graduated college. My middle one's almost done. My third one's going to start medical school. I want my kids to go where they want. I want them to have the life that they want. I never want them to have to struggle, but they're all hardworking. They all have careers that they want. My oldest is an entrepreneur, of course. He chose to after a year of working for somebody. My two other ones, I'm not sure yet. They're still young. But I think that those listening, morning and thing, if you walk away with anything today, I always use their slogan. So I'll give them credit, Nike. Just do it. Just do it. Just do it. I love it. Did you did you ever see the movie Yes Man with Jim Carrey? Of course. I, I got to imagine you love that movie, don't you? Yeah. just do it like they just had another movie uh recently come out called the yes day or something oh yeah the oh the with um what's her name um the woman who does the capital one commercial yeah jennifer Jennifer garner yeah yeah the yes day what a great day i want those every day totally right where you just look at it and and i've what's helped me with that making decisions i always used to kind of say like you know, always have a plan B, but I, I I actually have abandoned that because I think if you have a plan B, it kind of distracts from your plan A, right? But the way I make decisions is like, ask yourself, like, what's the worst case scenario? Like literally, like say I do this, what's the worst case scenario? And if I'm okay with that worst case scenario, I go ahead and do it. You know what I mean? Like I really do. Cause I'm like, all right, but if I'm not okay, I kind of, I just reassess and I say, why am I not okay with that worst case scenario? Right. Because that provides me a baseline of expectation. So if I go ahead and I do something and even if I'm not successful at it, but it's not the worst case scenario, it's still a positive move for me. Right. So a lot of this, you know, those psychological barriers, are there anything else that you learned? Cause you, you already brought it up, but you know, at 38 years old, you went back to school, you went back to be a therapist. You've spent eight, eight hundred hundred hours studying this and actually face to face with clients face to face with clients yeah what are some of the other barriers that are typically in people's way like from a mental standpoint not physical barriers and yes look we all have plenty of excuses about all the things but what are the mental barriers that just need to get the out of the way for us judgment yeah, i love that or i hate we don't that one, like to be judged It happens over and over again with women that hire me for private coaching, John. I don't understand it, Galit. I'm starting my own business. Why is my best friend telling me I'm making a mistake? Why is my mom? Why is my sister? So I have an explanation for that. And I want to share it because you can tell I'm very positive and optimistic. 
I believe that the people that really truly love you want to protect you. They want to protect you from failure and they want you to be comfortable and safe and you're safe in your corporate job or your salary job. Mm -hmm. So the people that truly love you will see the happiness and will see your success emotionally and hopefully in, in money. And then they will support you. They're sometimes saying those things to protect you, but you also people's true colors show up when you change. And I've had to do a lot of cleanup in my life. I had this friend years ago that said, you think someone's going to pay you $500 at the time, an hour to, to learn from you? I'm like, yeah, next, bye. I'm already up to $1,000 an hour, right? And, that, and so I think that you have to recognize that there's always going to be people that want you to stay where they're at because it feels good for them. Mm-hmm. And you're also going to be judged. But gosh, guys, Lock and delete is like the best thing that exists out there right now on your phone, on social media. Haters show up out of nowhere. and But the haters are not your interest. The people that should be your interest are the ones I choose to inspire and empower. So they're the people that I care about every day. The people that I choose to empower and inspire. How do you, because uh, I'm guessing again, just based on what I brief understanding of, of who you are and your approach here, you know, the whole adage of who you surround yourself with matters, right? Um, and you surround yourself with people who inspire you, surround yourself with people who, um, you know, positive energy, all that stuff. What do you, have you ever faced it where you've had to let go of some friendships, some, uh, and, and I mean, good friendships, like from, from like growing up days type of stuff. Do you, have you eliminated them? Have you compartmentalized them? Because that, I will say that's one of the struggles that I've always had in my career is that I'm mostly around my, my peers and my, you know, my friends, if you will. I'm usually one of the more driven ones, one of the more like I, I'm, I'm going to figure this out, like like that type of stuff. And I and I have plenty that are at that level, but I also have a whole group that are pretty comfortable with where they are and not necessarily that motivated and sometimes negative, you know, on a consistent basis. How do you manage friends that might not be lifting you up? Go with your gut. We have it for a reason. It's there. Listen to it. It happened to me a few years ago, and I had known that person since I was 16. And I just, I looked at my life and how much it had changed and how much I've grown. And I'm a person that chooses to work on myself every day of my life. I'm not perfect. I'm never going to be perfect. It doesn't exist. Let go. But I'm a work in progress every single day. And the best, I'm a nice person. So the best way to do it sometimes is slowly. (laughs) And it just, I'm too busy. I'm too busy. I'm too busy. And then it, life just happens. You lose things in common. You don't have anything to talk about anymore. But I have, what I have noticed, John, is as I get older, well, I like to say wiser, as I get wiser, I have found that I'm. it will be done for me if I don't do it myself. And something will happen that'll be drama or toxic. And then I'm like, okay, wait, they're making this real easy for you. Just jump on it and take it. But I think that you have to recognize that as we get wiser, our circle gets smaller, but man, does it get to be a quality circle. And I have such a great circle of trust and people that I love. I always joke that I'll hide the bodies from you, right, John? And no bodies, I promise. And I have to say that as you recognize that the change is positive, it's not negative. And it's not that I don't have friends. I just have really great friends now. Maybe before I had more friends, but they were not the ones that would go to bat for me and support me with every crazy idea and be there for me through thick and thin. So I would suggest that you take kind of like a step back analysis of your life and ask yourself, are these people holding me back? Or, and that's not petty guys, please understand. It's not petty. Sometimes I'll hear a story where recently one of my clients, she's in my mastermind, said, Galit, I don't get it. I'm putting up boundaries. I'm more successful in my business. I'm selling more than I ever have. But why are certain friends and family telling me that I am being, uh, no, they're mad at me or they're angry with me? I said, because they think you're selfish. But really, if you think about it, they're selfish because they want more of your time and they're not being respectful of you. And this is what society does. That's the judgment. You're not giving me enough of your time. You're not treating me a certain way. But wait, shouldn't I be taking care of myself first? And aren't you being selfish because you think I need to give you all my time? 
And I'm a person that gives everybody time. I'm one of those people, but I always make sure I take care of myself as well. Yeah. And I think there's also a bit of an envy slash jealousy factor there too, right? A lot of people who haven't made that, who, who had that itch, but never scratched it, you know, are now projecting on you that you're scratching it and they're saying, oh, you know, but it's more of a reflection on them than anything else. Right. I mean, unless you're, I think, how, how much do your last, last kind of question here, um, core values, have you gone through the exercise of identifying your core values uh, and, and, and how do you live by, because there's something about like your goals and all those other things and aspirations, but then there's the core of who you are and how you make decisions. Have you, have you formalized that in any way, shape or form? Probably not. I'm going to be honest, but I know what they are. I'm so in tune with who I am and I'm so in tune with my purpose, my passion and the way that I choose to live my life every day. And I know that my my true core values more than anything are based on being genuine, authentic, real and serving a purpose in this world. And for me, everything, my entire life in some shape or form has stemmed from purpose. And of course, that sometimes changes, but when you become real in tune with who you are, which I've spent lots and lots of years doing the work, okay? I recommend therapists, I recommend mentors, masterminds, groups, and you get to a point where you recognize more than anything what your meaning is in life. And I know what that is, and I know the gifts that I've been given, and I'm one of those people that will not go to the grave with them. I will share them with as many people as I can, because I believe we should, our legacy is the gifts that we've been given to teach as many people as possible how to use them. I think uh, Gary V again, who said it one time where he's like, yeah, I think he went and interviewed a whole bunch of people at nursing homes. And he said the number one thing you talk to them about, he's like, they never, they never uh, say, oh, I wish I wouldn't have done that. They always say, I always. wish I would have done that. Always. Nobody regrets what they did. Almost everybody regrets what they didn't do. And I refuse to be one of those people at the end of, towards the end of my life that says, oh man, I wish I would have, right? And I think that's why that itch needs to be scratched for some of us. And, and for everybody listening, if you have it, you know, pick up the, and, and again, so uh, Galit, talk to us about the, the different resources you have available for specifically women, but for almost anybody, you have the oh, book, yeah. you, have, you have the- um, my, my methods can be used for anyone. I just choose to focus on women because I think that we really need that as a mentor. They need that role model, but sales is sales if you're female or male. Yeah. But yeah, um, I'm on all social media under my full name and you can also find me at salessuccessmethod.com. Perfect. And again, for those out there listening on the podcast, we'll do some video stuff on this, but it's Galit, G-A-L-I-T, Ventura-Rosen. Look her up on LinkedIn. You'll find her all over the place. You will find all of her books and, uh, well, her book and all of her speaking engagements and all of her consulting and all the wonderful stuff you're doing. So Galit, is there anything uh, that you want to kind of leave the audience with before we wrap this thing up? More than anything, I, I totally agree with what you said about the end of the life but I choose to do that daily. So God forbid, knock on wood, if anything ever happened to me today, I'm not gonna feel like there was something I should have done. So do that daily. Don't wait till you're 70 or 80 or 90 years old. Do it every day. What could I do today that I want to do that's gonna make my life better, that's going to make me happy? And almost like preemptively address it, like write all the regrets you do have right now and go fix them, right? <laughs> because because they, I guarantee, like a lot of people have, you know, some regrets that if they really thought about it, oh, I wish I would have done that different, or I wish I would have wouldn't have crossed that person off the list earlier in my life, or whatever that is, go fix them today. Don't wait until you're in a nursing home to go fix it, right? Because uh, it because today, I mean, the positive. I'm a I'm, the more you know, especially recently, I, I'm focused a lot on. Positive positive light and, and, and negative light, you know, positive energy and negative energy. And I believe light follows light and, and dark follows dark, right? If, if you are a, if you are inherently, you know, positive person that the universe does reward that in so many ways, you know, and if you are inherently negative person, unfortunately, that's going to compound on itself over quite a while. And you're going to have to figure out a way to get yourself out of that. Um, but be the light, right? Yes. And I, talking about the positive and negative 
it doesn't mean that you have to be happy every second no, of the day. God, That's no. not normal. Nope. And it also doesn't mean you're not human and you're not allowed to vent. Please vent. It's healthy. Mm-hmm. Get it out of your system. It's mm-hmm. about not complaining about the same thing every day and not doing anything about it. If you're not going to do anything, just accept it and move on. But how awesome would it be to do something about what you complained about and then not have it to complain about anymore? That's positivity in my eyes. That's and that's that no middle ground, right? My old boss yeah. used to say, he's like, you know, use the the example of the gym. He's like, you either go to the gym or you don't. But what most people do is they they skip the gym and then they feel bad. They sit there and lament and feel bad about it all day that they didn't go to the gym. No, if you didn't go to the gym, you chose not go to the gym. Eat that Ben and Jerry's ice cream, sit on the couch, feel like a fat ass, and realize that tomorrow you're just gonna double down on it. But don't play that middle game. Same thing with entrepreneurship. Oh, I want to be an entrepreneur, but I got this job. Like you're, you're literally sitting in purgatory and you're not going to be quote unquote happy, whatever that means for you for a long time until you figure it out for either accept your situation or do something about it, but don't bitch about it if you're not willing to do anything about it. Right. Beautiful. Well said. Awesome. Well, Khalid, thank you so much for coming on. I hope everybody enjoyed the conversation as much as I did. And for those of you out there listening, like I said, go check her out on LinkedIn, go pick up her book, uh, follow her on social and everything else and and try to be that positive light like Galit has been on this call. So thank you. Thanks, for everything. John. No problem. And thank you for everybody for listening. And on that note, just like I always say at the end of all my podcasts, Go out there, even if you had a shitty day, ladies and gentlemen, go out there and make somebody smile today because if you made somebody smile, you know you had a good day and the world needs a lot more of that these days. So thank you all very much and I will see you on the flip side. All right, y'all, this was a great conversation. Taking a risk to invest in yourself is frightening, but in instances where we truly believe in what we're doing, we can overcome that fear and take steps towards what we want. The way we structure our steps, our goals, and our time is a driving factor in our perceived level of success. The keys to successful entrepreneurship that we've learned today in this episode will help you grow on your own path. Thanks again, Galit and JB, for these great insights in today's episode. Before we sign off, I want to make the suggestion that people unplug more often. Our mental health is so important, not just in sales, but in life as well. Get out there. Step away from the role. Gather your thoughts. Organize your days. Spend time with your family and friends. And when you come back to your goals, you'll be more focused. It matters and you're worth it. So are your customers and your prospects. So there's never been a better time to become a JB Sales On Demand member. With everything that's changed about the buyer's expectations, the more skills and approaches that we have in our tool belts as sellers, the better prepared we're going to be to impact more prospects and clients. Let our trainers and our guest trainers give you the skills that you need to be a top performer. We'll see you there at ondemand.jbarrows.com. Be sure and follow us on Instagram for daily tips and techniques at JB sales training, all one word. We'll see you there on the gram and be sure and join us for our weekly webinars that are driving killer results for the attendees. You can find these at jbarrows.com in the blog and events section. We'll see you next week when we bring another stellar guest to the studio to help you sell better. Get out there and make it happen.